0: Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Coming up
1: on Chopper's Politics. Ja, es kommt gleich auf Chopper's Politics, Greg Hans, hier im Gespräch. One of Rishi's top five priorities, as you know, stop the boats.
2: I know, I wish him joy. (laughs) (laughs) We are now approaching
3: Lewis. Please mind the gap between the train and the Hello,
4: and welcome to Choppers Politics podcast. I'm Christopher Hope, the associate editor for politics at the Telegraph. You're joining me in a pub, but not the Red Lion in Whitehall. We're in the Anchor pub in Ringmer, near Lewis. It's a Lib Dem Green Council area that the Tories are looking to win in next week's local elections in England. And we're here with local Tory MP Maria Caulfield and Greg Hans, the Conservative Party chairman, who also speaks very good German, as you've just heard. Now earlier we stepped out to watch them knocking on some doors and we listened in to what some voters had to say.
1: Good afternoon. Hello. Good afternoon. Hello. hello. Hi. How are you? You're oh, like. <laughs> Greg Hans, chairman of the party. Oh, hello. Uh, sorry, my hands are a bit nice cold, but so nice to meet you. Thank you for thank you for coming to the door and having. Right. I've been up and down the country the last three weeks, um, from yes. Ramsgate to Hartlepool, from Accrington down to Worcester. I've yet to have a conversation which has worsened by mentioning Rishi Sunak as prime minister. Always, and, always improves. The mood, the disposition towards the conservatives, to us. So that is definitely uh, an electoral asset. I think kind of yeah. the opinion well, on the reflects, in large part, what the opinion polls yeah. are
4: saying. But that's, that should be a basic thing. If you mention the leader's name, it shouldn't be it make things get worse. But are you saying it did that with previous leaders? Maybe Boris Johnson. Well, I wasn't the party trust.
1: chairman at the time, no. um, so I was not <laughs> an MP. Not... We
4: are an MP. Yeah, yeah
1: but um, you know, was
4: my his uh, own
1: constituency. Yes. Won't give you a national picture, whereas at no. the moment yeah. you know, my, my picture is a bit more national. Although it's you know, I mean, you're still ultimately uh, yes. you're speaking to hundreds of people, and to do a representative opinion poll, you need to speak to thousands of people. Of but but I've yet to have anybody come to the door and say I really think the answer is Keir Starmer. You know, that I think is uh, is also a quite an encouraging sign.
2: I don't always agree with what you're doing, of course, and I do wish you'd get the civil servants back to work. I was a civil servant in the Home Office for 40 oh, yeah. years. Really? really? Gosh, 40 okay. years. And I worked in the Asylum Directorate for the last few of those. And the yep. mere fact that they say now they're doing one case a week is preposterous. Oh, we
1: may, be, we're doing a big increase on that. We've got you it off to, the one of a week yeah. to help clear the backlog. That's a big part of, as you know, we passed uh, passing the legislation this week in the House of Commons. Labour, Lib Dems all voted against the boats legislation. But we're putting the legislation through. Goes off to the Lords next. We'll see what the Lords, yeah. we'll we'll what the trouble lords trouble do. But, don't we, but you know, we've got to keep at it, we'll keep pushing it through. That's what the British people want us to do. It's one of Rishi's top five priorities, as you know, stop the votes.
2: I know. I wish him joy.
1: <laughs> How do you think he's doing?
2: <laughs> Jury's still out. Okay.
4: Okay. <laughs> Are you missing the previous Prime Minister but I'm one? Boris like Johnson? Boris.
2: And I voted for Liz Truss. And I still think she had some good ideas, it's just she went about them the wrong way. Yep. So I really don't like the way they've really smashed her, you know, <laughs> the, the media and everything. Because right. I thought she could have done a good job, OK. But do it gradually. Rishi
1: Sunak's five Yay, priorities, halving inflation, growth, cutting the debt, cutting the hospital waiting list, stopping the boats, that seems like the right thing.
2: Well, Yes, yes, if it all works. Yeah, well, I think we are making progress. Absolutely. And what do you think locally? Because you've got three green councillors here. What, what's your, what's your thoughts for next week? I just sort of tend to vote conservative because I always do. Very yeah. you know, sensible. Well, yeah. Not entirely <laughs> the idea, but yeah. well, like, there's not to my mind. Although I'm not always. With the Conservatives, what they do, there's just no viable alternative. The sort of yeah. Labour getting in fills me with horror, and always has. <laughs> yeah. And Lib Dems, well, they're never going to get in on their own. They're only going to be sitting on someone else's they'll back. Be, they'll aren't be propping
1: they? up Keir Starmer. Mm, yeah. They, yes.
2: then, yeah. yeah. So, so, here
1: the danger, I think, if you get a Lib Dem MP again, is that they will vote to put Keir Starmer in number 10, which would be a total s- disaster.
2: Yeah. So, I do hope you get your seat n- back next year. No, but, thank you. Mm. Well, Maria's <laughs> yeah. a brilliant it's MP. Be tough. It's, it was tough last time as well.
1: So thank you very much, Steve, for your time. And um, oh, thanks nice you for you your, yeah. your support for Maria. Yeah. She's a brilliant MP and a great minister, great great person around, just knows health, being a practicing yes, nurse, issue, and knows isn't it? the yeah. issues really yeah, well.
2: We've just won this battle in court, but it's just going to put their backs up, isn't it? So we're in for more trouble. Get get back round the table and negotiate on the pay, so, Yeah. yeah. Goodnight. Yeah. Really, yeah. all these strikes. It's the teachers today. I notice more children around because yeah. teachers are out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you very yeah, much. Yeah. Thank indeed. you very much. see <laughs> nice you. Nice to see yeah. you. Yeah. Okay. Thank you yeah.
4: for your support. Okay. You. So Maria, are you finding that it, it, Um, you. They, they like Rishi right. here.
2: They do like Rishi. Yes. I think they um they just quite like the fact that he's okay. very focused. He's got his five priorities, and they know what he's about. If so. he
4: delivers, that's okay. But if it doesn't, if can still staying high. The boats aren't stopped yet. All those things.
2: Yeah, you yeah, know, absolutely. I I mean, mean, that's exactly. He's to what deliver, they right? Yeah, they, they like what he wants to do, but they want to see results. It's Greg
1: Hands and Maria Caulfield from the Conservative. Hello, hi. Hello.
4: After the voters of Ringmer had their go, it was my turn to grill the party chairman Greg Hans, back at the Anchor Pub. Greg Hans, Tory Party chairman. We're now sitting down. That was quite a walk. You walk very quickly for a man of your. Middle, de- middle year youth.
1: Yes, middle youth. I like that, Christopher. <laughs> I, I was like going that. down the wrong way over that conversation. I like am uh, 57, myself. but I like to get from A to B quickly. How many steps are you doing a day? Are you monitoring it? I don't know. I think at the last general election, I was doing about 30,000. I think I'm not doing that many this time. Uh, there's quite a bit of travel between constituencies. Yes. So I was down in Hastings earlier and then took the train from Hastings to Lewis. And then we'll take the train back to London. So yes. in between. And you weren't chairman last time. You were just a candidate last time, weren't you? That's correct. Yeah, in Chelsea and Fulham. Yeah. How many council seats will you lose next week? Well, look, I I don't know. The independent forecasters, you know, the real experts in this space, Rallings and Thrasher, uh, Professor John Curtis, all of them are saying that Conservatives will lose 1,000 seats. And I don't for a moment doubt it will be a difficult set of elections for the party. These seats were last fought in 2019, which was a very bad time for Labour. It was the last year of Corbyn in charge. It was... Just the run-up, if you like, to the 2019 general election, which is obviously very bad for Labour. I don't know, but what I do find is that our activist base, our councillors, our council candidates... Are working really hard, and I'm finding them upbeat. Mm. But so as that I say, credible? The, independ- the independent thousand? forecasts are a 1,000 losses. I mean, let
4: electrical calculus, say 500, 1,000 is a worst case. But what do you, what's your internal number? Are you, are you massaging expectations in the pub? Well, I, I, don't
1: have a, I don't have an internal number. And what I do know is that the independent academics, yes. you know, who probably know best, okay. uh, are saying a 1,000 losses. What does success look like? I, I think success is Obviously 1,000. Success looks like – I wouldn't put a number on success. I think success is actually much more down to where the government is heading overall on delivering the five priorities – halving inflation, restoring growth, cutting debt – reducing hospital waiting list and stopping yes. the boats. That is the that's the last success. time that's you can say them on this, because like.
4: that's literally 30 seconds of my time with you. You can't keep doing that. When we, I know you're told to do it by number 10. We'll, we'll come to but this in a minute. You asked
1: me the question, what does success look like? And but success I'm, is delivering on the five priorities.
4: I'm thinking about next week at the local elections rather yeah. than the, the bigger picture, which you're quick to go to. You've been on the doorsteps today. We've met some people. Do they miss Boris Johnson, your last leader but one?
1: Well, I, I think Boris is, is still an asset for the party, He's not campaigning, is though? He's uh, not helping. Uh, well, I, I, we'll see. We'll see. But uh, crucially, I find that even people who like Boris Johnson, none of them, none of the ones that I've met, think that Rishi Sunak is not doing a good job. So uh, 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 whenever I'm on the doorstep, I always find that mentioning Rishi Sunak as Prime Minister improves the conversation He polls in well in my direction. He polls well. And even people who like Boris... Are, they're not exclusive to people who think Rishi's doing a good job and like Rishi. In other words, you can definitely both like Boris, you can like Boris, you can like Liz, you can also like Rishi. Do you want him to, to help campaign? He's a great campaigner. He reaches the parts of this country others can't reach. Well, look, I mean, I've known Boris for 30 years. I've been out campaigning with Boris uh, when he was mayor of London. I remember once I got asked by the party to organise a walkabout uh, <laughs> down King's Road in my constituency. And I organised a walkabout for the hour he's going to be with us, get halfway down the King's Road. Of course, we never made it further than the newspaper seller outside Sloane Square Station. Um, He was mobbed at that time. He was very, very popular as mayor of London. Um, he is definitely a campaigning asset for the Conservative Party, but we'll have to see uh, what Boris uh, is going to do for the next election. But how about next week? I mean, getting the vote out on the council elections, have you asked him to help? Well, I think that's uh, kind of down to Boris at the moment. Mm. Um, you know, he's just been uh, readopted as candidate uh, for Uxbridge and South Reislip, and, uh, you know, the party will support him in that. But we'll have to see what yeah. Boris will want to do next year. Is it the Battle of the Boring at the moment, Sunak v Starmer? No, I don't think so, because I think people see uh, Rishi Sunak as actually getting on with the job. And actually what they want to see is a period of delivery, uh, dealing with the difficult challenges facing the country, high inflation, high energy prices, the Vladimir Putin challenge on the security side, uh, making sure that uh, the uh, uncontrolled migration in the channel, the boats is sorted out. Now, there's quite a lot of things that I think people want to see sorted out at the moment. That's what we're focusing on, the people's priorities. It does hang on those priorities, the five things you
4: mentioned there. Inflation is still in double figures. It's meant to fall to single figures, wasn't it, in February? It hasn't happened yet. Uh, the economy is is going to be just growing this year, maybe. Stop the boats? Well, that hasn't started yet. When, when are the first flights to Rwanda? We don't know. Problem with Just waiting this caused by strikes, possibly. Debt might fall. I mean, these are things which some of which are outside of the PM's control. And if you don't get them right, you're letting down voters, aren't you? And you're you're losing the point of voting for soon, I, can first I
1: mean, go. the first thing to say is that nobody pretended the five priorities, delivering on the five priorities, was going to be easy. The mm. idea is that only
4: one of them is this year, isn't it? That which which is hard inflation. The rest are not time limited. Is that
1: right? Well, uh, you know, we'll have to we'll have to see. But the five priorities were not designed to be easy things, easy things to achieve. They are pushing the government, pushing the government in making sure that we deliver on those five things. It's all about delivery at the moment. That's what the people want to see. They want to see their government getting on with what is a difficult situation. We've inherited a high inflation, high energy prices, Putin's invasion of Ukraine. That is, if you like, the difficult hand that's been dealt the government. What in the you're say in, you're
4: saying how it is. You've been in charge for 13 years. I mean, it's on your watch, all this. You can't but, blame but, it but, on but. some mythical... Other
1: governments. But, but Vladimir Putin invading oh, Ukraine um, last year, yeah the pandemic, uh, now these have been a difficult oh, back. black
4: swan events that weren't forecast or weren't expected.
1: Well, they certainly weren't expected back in 2010 or even in 2015 or even, to be frank, in 2019. Taxes. Why can't you say we're going to cut taxes if we're in the next general election? Well, I think the priority at the moment is delivering lower inflation. People are definitely feeling the pinch with higher bills. That, I think, is where people want us to concentrate on. And that is where the focus is. Uh, we also have the focus on reducing debt, uh, growing the economy as well. Of course, we would like to be reducing taxes at the right time. So what's the reason, then, if you're a to
4: vote for the Conservatives, if you haven't got the sunny plans of getting more money back from the government? Is it an well, is issue of
1: competency against risk? Is that the point? I think there's two parts to that question, Chris. The first is the local elections coming up uh, next week where we 're asking people to vote conservative because conservative councils ultimately deliver better they deliver better for less council tax. conservative councils cost you eighty pounds less on a band D council tax, but deliver is that based more. on some ex- external uh, analysis that is uh, band D as a comparator is what has always been used as the council tax uh, comparator. Okay. Uh, Conservative councils deliver you more. Conservative councils fill, for example, more potholes than Labour and Lib Dem councils put together. We uh, deliver typically better services as well on council services. So that is the election for next week. We've got some fantastic Conservative councillors, council candidates up for election right the way across England next week. I think in terms of the general election... I don't think people are yet in the mode of uh, thinking about who to choose at the next general election. I think they're much more interested in seeing the Conservative government delivering well and delivering well on the five priorities and making sure that uh, we improve their lives over the next year. And I don't think they're really thinking about an election yet. But will you, you as a party, fight the next election on cutting taxes? That will be a a differentiation with Labour. Again, I think it's uh, too early to tell on that. Chris, mm-hmm. I think the the focus at the moment is on delivery this year and we will see what sort of a prospectus, a manifesto we offer to the country next year.
4: You voted to remain in the uh, Brexit referendum seven years ago now. Do you regret that? Do you wish you voted to leave?
1: No, I don't, uh, Chris. To be honest, uh, the question as it was at that time in June 2016, looking at the what I knew at the time, it would have been difficult, I mean, emotionally um, you know, my mm. uh, my wife Germany, is German. My children are bilingual English German. You're bilingual lived, yourself. Uh, I mean? I'm. I wouldn't say I'm bilingual because that is a specific term. Okay. But I speak German fluently. I would be able to do this interview in German. But I'm not saying you're, you're an easy interviewer, Chris. <laughs> but I would be able to do this in German. So I mean, emotionally, it would have been difficult for me to be anything other, I think, than a Remainer. However, you know, the, it, it's a different question today, and I think that Brexit was always a set of challenges and always a set of opportunities. And I think the government now is doing very well on realising on the opportunities and doing well as well on minimising those challenges. So on the opportunities, I've long been a trade minister, I've been a trade minister for a large part of the last six years. And delivering, for example, on joining the Comprehensive and Progressive Trans Pacific Partnership, the CPTPP Free Trade Area. That is an amazing achievement, something the EU is not able to do, would not be able to do, but opens up growing. Uh, markets in the far east for the uk I and mean, that is a fantastic opportunity so i don't regret that either i mean i think it's a fantastic opportunity and critics say we have lost uh, access to a big market on our doorstep the eu and the- well, we haven't lost access to the eu market you know we've got a entirely quota free tariff free trade agreement uh, with the eu we need to be exporting more to the eu that is definitely a challenge that the government is aware of So we've got more to do in trade with the EU. We need to be exporting more to the EU. Um, But that's something that also Kemi Badenoch, the whole team at Department for for Business and Trade, is working hard on.
4: We're reporting today that this retained EU law bill is not going to get rid of 4,000 measures from the statute book, but only as few as 800. I mean, 20% of the total number because of a a delay in working through all the different measures. I hadn't seen that report, Chris. No, but it's concerning. I mean, do you think that... The benefit of Brexit is not being taken advantage of by the by your government.
1: Well, no, I don't agree with that, and I think uh, trade is a classic example, having a different regulatory approach. I think uh, financial services, some of the things that are going on in science and technology, I think are uh, showing the opportunities that are there. That is what is key: is is taking advantage of those opportunities. I, I've never been. A believer in all of those kind of uh, meaningful votes in 2018 2019 mm. I was never in favor of doing something like staying in a customs union staying in the single market I very much took the view the UK the electorate voted uh, decisively to leave the European Union that is what the people want us to do and that is what we have delivered on mm. and we now need to maximize yes. the opportunities from doing that when is next election general election well, uh, it's, it's not my job to set the election date. It's my job to be ready, what are the, the two party windows? to be ready for May when, for when the Fem- Prime Minister decides to make that decision. No, it has to be held, as you know, uh, by January 2025. I think it's too early to um, start speculating about a specific date.
4: Has work started on the manifesto yet?
1: No work has started on the manifesto yet. We are still, as I said, very much in the mode of delivery Delivering on the people's priorities, getting to grips with inflation, uh, with debt, with growth, uh, hospital waiting lists,
4: and small boats. You, you mentioned that. Like, I, I said he would not end up, but you did to get them in again. Second time. Well done. Small boats. When were the first flights to Rwanda off.
1: Well, that I don't know. It's working its way through the courts at the moment. Mm. Government is fighting Appeal those court, now, court cases uh, really hard. Sorry. <coughs> oh, sorry. Excuse me. That's a campaign um, cold. Listeners. It might be. I don't think it's cold. It might be a spot of um, hay fever or something. But, uh, but yes,
4: but, but but stop the boats means stop the boats. So when do the first flights take off to deter the the people people who are making that perilous crossing across the channel? Well, I think channel?
1: as soon as we've worked through those court cases this year, the government. Well, it's uh, that's in the hands of the of the courts. How quickly we can work through those courts cases. But we we're very very keen. We're committed to the Rwanda project. Committed to uh, making those flights happen just as soon as we're able to. And it's not unfair or cruel to people who are sent to Rwanda? I mean, well, No, no, I don't think it is. I, I, I think other European countries are following a similar approach, either with Rwanda or with other partners. I think it's an entirely reasonable, sensible course of action. So the government has got my, my full spot. I think the British people support it as well. You've been
4: well known on Twitter for sharing a letter from Liam Byrne that uh, that warned the incoming Tory Lib Dem government in 2010 that there's no money left. You've retweeted it so far. 29 times in your 68 days as chairman. Why are you obsessed about news 13 years ago, Greg Hans?
1: Because I think it illustrates what a lot of people know or suspect uh, that Labour governments are terrible at running the country's public finances and that successive Labour governments in my lifetime uh, have left the country with no money.
4: So it's Um, a reminder.
1: It is a reminder pointing out to people that that it was was Labour who who left us with that uh, legacy in 2010. And it is a clear reminder, the the letter from the then Chief Secretary of the Treasury.
4: And is the letter anywhere near your purse at the moment? It's in my pocket. I thought so. This... uh... Is it fair, though, to do that to Labour, given Liam Byrne is nowhere near the top of the party, and it was a while ago, and you've been in power for 13 years, is it not a bit lame not to find a new thing to attack Labour with than rely on attack? Oh,
1: well, we, I mean, there's plenty of current reasons not to vote Labour as yeah. well, Chris, if that's what you're looking for me <laughs> no, to talk about. No, 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 OK, OK. I mean, I think the fact that Keir Starmer has not cut through with the public, that Keir Starmer has changed his view on almost everything, going back to Brexit, you know, this is the man who uh, did want okay. to have a second referendum. He wanted to vote Remain, and now... Now he's talking about the opportunity Are you finding it's
4: polling well then? Is this letter remembered by people? Is that the point? Is that why, you, was that why you're pulling it out all the time of your pocket?
1: Well, I think, uh, I think we're making a, a very important point about Labour. That last time around they were terrible at running the public finances. They left the country in a position where for every £4 the government was spending, £1 was borrowed. There's no way that you can have your public finances, your personal finances, sustainable uh, at that level, the 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 position that Labour left us in in yes. 2010.
4: But the, the, the Tories' 24 tax rises, and the rich Sunak, as Keir Starmer said in Prime Minister's Questions this week, tax burden at a at a 70-year high, however high it is. I mean, the Tories' record on the economy is being criticised by by your opponents,
1: isn't it? Yeah, but but I think all of those attacks have at their root either the increased spending from the pandemic, or as a result of higher energy prices driven by Vladimir Putin's invasion of Ukraine. I might also add, I don't think Labour are pledged to reduce any of those taxes or reverse any of those taxes. I think people know that the Conservative Party is more likely to be delivering lower taxes in the future than any alternative Labour government under Keir Starmer would. That is also really important. And
4: your party isn't out of ideas. Some people say privately a period in opposition might be a good thing for the Tory party uh,
1: that, that's a terrible idea there's no it's not a good idea for the Conservatives to be in opposition the important thing that is for Rishi Sunak to be competently getting on with delivering good governance
4: you're chairman of the party you've got to find a new candidate to fight Sadiq Khan in the London mayoral elections next year we've got Samuel Kusumu on our on our podcast this week will he be your candidate
1: well uh, it's up up to the London Conservative Party members to make that choice I'm confident there'll be a really good list of candidates going to the membership, to the wider party. There'll be a number of candidates going forward and then to the, the hustings, uh, two or three candidates, and then to a ballot by all London Conservative Party members. When's that? Uh, this in September time? In, in due course. Well, it would be we're going to be setting out the timetable uh, for when that will happen, but that will happen. We'll have a candidate in place... Uh, before the summer recess. And you, you can get a good, a good challenge, can you, to Sadiq Khan? Well, I think from the what I know about the candidates who are interested in going for it, and nominations have yet to open, uh, but I think we'll have a strong field and we'll have an excellent candidate uh, to take that fight to Sadiq Khan, who has been appalling for London. He has been, uh, uh, I think, probably the worst but mayor But London's London. a Labour city, isn't it? You've well, got no, I, d- I, I disagree. I disagree. I know you're I think a Tory MP for an in-, in London seat. But. I, I think a good candidate would be very capable of winning that race. Sadiq Khan is unpopular, polls worse than the Labour Party. I think with a good candidate, we can, we can unseat Sadiq Khan. OK. Well, Greg Khan the Tory party chairman here
4: in Lewis in a pub. We like pubs, don't we? Thank you for joining us this week on Chopper's Politics Podcast. Thank you. Greg, hands there, with some news about when the Conservatives might select a candidate to fight Sadiq Khan, who's going for his third term as Labour Mayor of London next May. And I'll be talking to one of those possible candidates right after this.
2: War in Ukraine is reshaping our world. For the past 12 months, The Telegraph's team of experts in London and correspondents on the ground have been analysing Putin's invasion of Ukraine every weekday on the Ukraine The Latest podcast. With over 24 million listens, Ukraine The Latest is the go-to source for up-to-date analysis on the war from every angle, military, humanitarian, political, economic, historical, just to name a few. Each episode, we unpack the past 24 hours of the conflict, as well as regularly being joined by our own on-the-ground correspondents and guests who take us into their own experience of the war. Search for Ukraine The Latest in the same place you're listening to this podcast, and follow the podcast so you don't miss an episode. Thank you for listening.
4: And we're back. Now, before travelling down to Lewis, we were in our usual pub, The Red Line, in Westminster, where I bumped into Samuel Kasumu, who has emerged this week to be the Tory frontrunner for their mayoral candidate, in next year's London mayoral elections after he received the backing of Grant Shapps and Steve Baker, both government ministers, and former Home Secretary Priti Patel. Samuel Kasumi, welcome to Chopper's Politics Podcast. Great to have you on.
3: Oh, thanks for having me.
4: Now, you had had trouble finding the red line today.
3: Yeah, I mean, thankfully, some of my old number 10 colleagues uh, were walking past and they they were able to point me in the right direction.
4: Now You've emerged this week as the frontrunner for the Tory candidature to fight Sadiq Khan in next year's London mayoral elections. It's always a problem, and I've been covering politics for 20 years, for the Tories to find a candidate. Back in the day, I mean, Boris Johnson emerged on late, ahead of the 2008 mayoralty.
3: Why you? Well, firstly, you know, in a political race, it's not about where you start, it's where you finish. So we are not complacent. And we know that there is a need for an Achillean effort for us to be able to make the case for why I think I'm the best candidate. Uh, why I think I'm the best candidate is for a number of reasons. Firstly, I have extensive political experience. I joined the party as a 19-year-old, been a campaigner, starting in Chipping Barnet, North London. I've been a councillor, cabinet member for climate change and the environment. I was the candidate in Coyden North at the 2017 general elections, where I learned so much from working alongside Gavin yeah. Barwell. And I've worked in Downing Street, and, 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 and. And so, you know, there's, there's a CV okay. there. But also, my science is being able to engage with people from different backgrounds. That is why I played a leading role in the, the yeah. First one of the COVID nineteen vaccines, and I want to bring that science and that know-how to this campaign.
4: You're thirty-four. You know, thirty-five. Thirty. Forgive me, <laughs> thirty-six in so August. Soon you'll be. Won't mind me <laughs> saying you're younger than you are, but okay, I'll take that from you. But you are never been an MP, have you? Now, previous candidates for mayoralty have always been an MP, haven't they?
3: Yeah, but. In my opinion, being a mayor is very similar to being a councillor, because especially a cabinet. Because member. you're
4: a councillor now well in Hatfield, yeah. Because
3: you? you have you, you have control of budgets, etc. Whereas if you're a member of parliament, there's a slightly different constitutional role that you play. And so I think I have enough skills to that are transferable for this particular job. And also there are very amazing mayors uh, across the country who also never mem- um, MPs. You know, Andy Street was never an MP, and as far That's as I'm right. aware, Ben Houchen, who I went to visit just a month ago yeah. uh, as part of my you know Tees Valley, yep, work experience fact finding mission, also wasn't a member of Parliament.
4: At what point do you look in the mirror and say, Samuel Kasuma, I can see you being the Mayor of London? That's a big moment isn't it in your life when was it what was the day
3: well, I, I don't think that time has ever come okay uh i've had, a, I've had you a want conversa- to be mayor though yeah, yeah it? I, I mean, so it must a, be coming i've had a conversation with the wife and her uh, her response was well if you want to do it i'll support you but just make sure you 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 recognize you still have to do the dishes and you still have to pick up the kids um, so that's the social contract that i'm under okay. uh, but honestly seriously after i left downing street in 2021 and i spent the last 18 months writing a book traveling the world um, speaking to many political leaders about you know what the future of conservatism looks like uh, and then it dawned on me that actually a period of modernization will have to return and I feel like I want to play a very significant role in that and I also think that London is the best platform to begin that Your book's called The
4: Power of the Outsider yep. l- launching soon and you're, you're looking to set out the Hackney Empire yep. for a big Q&A with uh, Tim Campbell from The Apprentice and mm-hmm. um, that's tickets going for £59 each at the top price.
3: Well, there, there Will you sell out? Are, there are literally 20 tickets that are going for that price. Okay. Um, and So the average price is about 25 quid. Oh, fine, fine. And we're fairly confident the marketing begins properly on Friday, and we're, we're, we're sure we're going to have a full house. And more importantly, a very good conversation, an interesting conversation about the future of London, the future of this okay. country. Let's come on
4: into, into your policy platform in a second. Why do you leave number 10? Did you fall out of Boris Johnson because you were his point person on liaising with the black community, weren't you, in the the UK? Well,
3: well not just. So my portfolio was civil society and communities. And part of that meant uh, how we engaged with Britain's minority ethnic population, uh, which, again, is part of the science.
4: But you quit and no one knows why.
3: Uh, yes, that is a good point, uh, not nobody, some people do know. Um,
4: I don't know, and I meant to know yeah, what's going on.
3: Yeah, I mean firstly me and Boris Johnson, for the of doubt, did not fall out. Um, we had a very good relationship, he was always very supportive about all of the work that I oversaw. And actually when I left, he didn't want me to go. And number 10 for most of the times when I was there was a very collaborative environment. I felt very happy to work there and function there. It was a tough, tough, tough job. And so a point came when there were some tensions about some of the direction of travel.
4: Which bits Uh, of it? Was it COVID-linked? I mean, it was 2021?
3: Yeah, I mean, I was involved in vaccine deployment and before that, you know, trying to stop as many people as possible from dying from the... uh, So
4: so, so what was the division that forced you out?
3: I mean, some of it was around, you know, how you make the case for some of the conservative ideals that we are probably we were mostly aligned on and some so I think sometimes when you don't agree with people the best thing to do is to get them around the table and try to be respectful about how you articulate that difference and I also think that uh, if you are maybe at times a bit too aggressive Mm -hmm. uh, it may work for you in the short term but in the long term people that was the vote leave
4: campaigning I saw that personally when they won the election in 2019 I couldn't believe the way they were still fighting the fight really, once they become one power, it's crazy. But,
3: well, you know, I always tell people politicians usually remember or think about the next election, whereas a statesman or a public servant thinks about the next generation. And so, as someone who is very passionate about conservatism and conservative policies, I'm very focused on how do we make sure that the next generation know that this is the best way to govern. And and you don't do that by hitting them over the head or calling them names, in my opinion. In my opinion.
4: Yeah, and so. not everybody That's agrees. That's absolutely credible, you know, yeah. Samuel. So Boris Johnson is the most successful Tory ever to run for London Mayor. Is he backing your campaign? Wait and see. Is he back? Well, you, you mean the pub? No one's here popping Louisa. <laughs> she's half asleep in the corner after an awards do last night. Where was my it? invite? <laughs> we didn't wimble it again. <laughs> okay, but um, I, I forget that. Okay. Did, did, did you? <laughs> if I'm mayor, you will be winning. I'm joking. <laughs> so he, he might back you. So where would he are we? be? A great endorsement for you, wouldn't
3: he? But look. Boris Johnson, as you say, was a very successful mayor. And and it just goes to show that you can be a conservative and a successful mayor in London. So anyone who thinks that's not the case is completely wrong. What I would say is, as you've mentioned, uh, people are saying I am... The front runner right now, but it's not where you start; it's where you finish. We have a very clear campaign. This has been, you know, eighteen months, two years in the making, yeah. and so people just will just have to wait and see. Okay,
4: but well, you have got the backing of Pretty Patel, Grant Shapps, Steve Baker. Those are big big beasts. Use that term in, in Westminster. What is your policy platform? What will you do differently? You're concerned about the ULEZ zones, aren't
3: you? Yeah, I mean, on ULES my position is very clear. I think that Sadiq Khan has no mandate for spending over three hundred million pounds on an extension that most people in outer London seem to not want and so i urge him to stop and to wait and to put it to the people in the next election if he thinks it's the right thing to do if he doesn't do that and if the court proceedings are not successful then we're going to have to find solutions come may
4: so would you drop it in out of london
3: well look because because
4: to explain to listeners if you don't live in london you you pay to drive in if you're in a, in a kind of polluting vehicle, and it seems to be damaging to so-called white van men or women, people who who, who need to get to yeah. work, maybe public service workers, nurses, other things who drive into London to exactly. work. Exactly.
3: Yeah, my position is first and foremost, I'm a fiscal conservative, and so I'm deeply uncomfortable with the idea of somebody spending three to four hundred million, maybe even more. Uh, pounds in me just saying today that I'm definitely going to just reverse it. I think because of the nature or the extent of the expenditure, it's only right for people to have a choice. You know, so once we get to May 2024. What do you want?
4: So, borough so by borough,
3: borough by borough, guaranteed you're have going to have an opportunity referendum. to have a local referendum. Now, the thing is, in the UK, it's not something that's very common, but in other countries like uh, the people outside
4: Australia, London on the, on the boundary can't vote in those in those referendums, can they? It's only those living there.
3: Yes, um, and I think that is uh, the the fair the fair thing to do because
4: they're paying the rates, they're exactly. paying the taxes.
3: Exactly that. Um, having said that, I'm very cognizant of the fact that some very important public servants, nurses, healthcare workers who live just outside London will struggle with the ULEZ charge and we need them to come in because we need folks to look after them. You want
4: them. to signal local support for the ULEZ, but what about pollution, that kind of thing? I, yeah. Suppose, yeah. I suppose if there's big concerns about pollution, they vote for it, don't they? And that means you're not...
3: in. Imp- no, not necessarily. I mean,
4: that's what justifies it for Sadiq Khan, right?
3: Yeah, not, not necessarily because I think that there is so much more you can do. I'm a cabinet member for the environment and climate change and so this is my science as well and so i know that the things you can do around decarbonisation of buildings encouraging people to reduce their food waste etc there's a long list of things now, that you're a counselling
4: well in hatfield but you live in london do you i
3: have a place in barnet but me and my family are in the process of moving back so a so second
4: yeah. home in barnet yeah and then, you lived outside london
3: yeah and uh, but i'm london born and bred born in paddington grew up in, yeah. in barnet and and on my way back home to serve the people of london what's a,
4: what's the qualification to be london mayor if you don't live here
3: I think it it is a is a qualification. And one of the reasons why I you were born
4: here, brought yeah, up here, but you yeah, moved to Hatfield. Yeah, back. and
3: one one of the reasons why I moved out is because I I faced the same challenges as so many Londoners. I couldn't afford to buy a place in London. It's only now I'm lucky enough to have the capital to be able to do so. And so you know, it's it's a homecoming, but also to serve the people and to improve outcomes for folks who've had the similar challenges as myself.
4: So away from you, Les, what else will you do? You'll
3: first and foremost. Biggest challenge is the housing crisis, and as I say, one of the reasons why I ended up outside of London is not because I necessarily wanted to, but because I couldn't afford at the time to to, to buy a home for my family, right? Which again, that's something I can do now. So, housing number one on my agenda. Number two is around uh, this idea of aspiration and opportunity. I want to make North London the cybersecurity capital of of Europe. I want to create hundreds of thousands of jobs, and I've committed to setting up a £100 million pound fund for founders from underrepresented backgrounds to to really turbocharge business and entrepreneurship, dealing with some of the challenges around uh, financial services and our competitiveness. And number three uh, is, of course, dealing with the issue of crime, improving trust and confidence in the police, but not just that, uh, making sure that the police know that I'm on their side. Yeah. Um, You're uh, with the
4: boss of the Met Police Chief.
3: And, and this is the thing, I think sometimes Sadiq Khan forgets that he is the boss, he's the strategic head, he's the one responsible for all the outcomes, not uh, I and mean, we did Rush force
4: out Larry. quick of Dick eventually, didn't he? He lost confidence in her. Yeah,
3: but, you know, it's easy to get rid of somebody to make yourself look good. It's, it's less easy to have a very clear plan about how you're going to improve things. Have them. you met him yet? Sadiq, yeah, we've been in the same room together. He's not always very friendly with me, especially once he, once he found out that, you know, I may or may or may not be running. And, and he seems to be stealing some of my policy ideas, but that's fine.
4: <laughs> you can take that. <laughs> we,
3: we have plenty more, so he can keep but stealing the big, them.
4: The big issue for some Telegraph readers is the so-called culture wars, statues, that kind of thing. Yeah. The Corporation of London and everyone's re- lots of big institutions, big moneyed institutions in London, are reviewing their history with the slave trade. and yeah. And do you do you approve of pulling statues down, covering up f- pictures, rehanging walls in in museums of, with, with questionable art?
3: Well, firstly, I saw the Prime Minister's comments at PMQs yesterday, and I agree with him. I don't think Britain should uh, apologise for the role that they played in or we played in the transatlantic slave trade for a number of reasons. I think a lot of people don't realise that before um, William the Conqueror arrived here in 1066 Britain's actually enslaved themselves um, <laughs> okay. and, and then and it was the normans that thought that it was barbaric and so as a result they they abolished yes. so the, it's, how, it's, how far do you go back yeah. is your point how, yeah, well how far do you, do you go back where do you stop apologizing because i think every single person probably has an ancestor somewhere who had, who was involved in some kind of evil act or activity that will have had an, a material impact of, around where we are today but i think the more broader point is I, th- I think most people from african and caribbean backgrounds and beyond are more interested in how you improve the lots of people that are here today and also future generations so there's two things I'm, I'm completely passionate about and committed to one is dealing with the disparities that still exist in some circles and spaces and, and number two is improving relationships with commonwealth countries uh, across the world and and that is they, they they are two things that will be a priority for me if are I you I'm
4: letting that. down other black people saying that
3: no i think my record on serving people from all backgrounds is very clear i mean i when i was 19 i set up a student network for students from underrepresented backgrounds the search firm that i set up focuses on helping people have access to board board opportunities so you know i'm not a culture warrior for the violence of doubt but i focus on the substance and delivery and as i say i think my record is very clear
4: well samuel kasomu thank you for joining us this week on choppers police podcast it's great to have you on and let's see what happens in the next, eight, next 12 months. The, well, the election is 12 months this, next week.
3: Well, this is it. And if if <laughs> if if I am lucky enough to still be the front runner at the end of this selection... You'll come process, on the podcast again. Make sure you have me back.
4: Of course I will. Now, don't forget your mug. Awesome. <laughs> Samuel Kasumu there. Well, that's all for this week's Chopper's Politics listeners. Thank you to my guests, Maria Caulfield, MP, Greg Hans, MP, and of course, Samuel Kasumu. Thank you to my producers, Louisa Wells and Giles Gear, But most importantly of all, thank you to you for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please do leave us a rating and a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people find this show when they're looking for one. For daily insights into the world of Westminster, please do sign up to my daily Choppers Politics newsletter. It arrives straight in your email inbox every weekday. And the link for that will be in the show notes this episode. And don't forget to read my weekly Peterborough Diary Gossip column out every Friday at 7pm online and in Saturday's copy of The Daily Telegraph. As always, please do buy a copy of The Telegraph if you can. Until next time, though, from the Anchor Pub here in Ringba. Cheerio!